Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The sensational winner of the Grand Jury Prize for Documentary at this year's Sundance Film Festival, Boys State is a wildly entertaining and continually revealing immersion into a week-long annual program in which a thousand Texas high school seniors gather for an elaborate mock exercise, building their own state government. Filmmakers Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain closely track the escalating tensions that arise within a particularly riveting gubernatorial race, training their cameras on a number of unforgettable teenage people who are involved in all of this. The film, again, is called Boys State, and it's opening this Friday, August 14th, on Apple TV+. Plus. To both of you, Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having us. First of all, is there a girl's state? Is there, Amanda, is there a girl's yeah, state? There's a girl's state uh, everywhere. There's a boy's state. We uh, can't wait to make that movie as well once these things you know once we get rid of this pandemic thing and we these programs come back up and running in person where we'd like to go do that fantastic i was i was curious watching it this is a uh, this whole program is an outgrowth of american legion they've been doing it since 1935 the beginning of the film we see all of these luminaries who have passed through the program it's pretty remarkable that very famous photo of bill clinton shaking hands with john kennedy was a direct result of his involvement with, with uh, Boy State. Um, well, what inspired this? Uh, I'll start with you, Jesse. What was the inspiration for Boy State? I think the big inspiration was trying to understand and make sense of the political division in our country, just as many Americans, I think, were in, after the 2016 election and asking ourselves, how did we get here? Looking at the intractable um, divide in Washington as filmmakers looking for a way into that question, that problem, and actually reading about Texas Boys State, the boys in 2017 voted to secede from the union. That's actually mentioned in the film. And that gesture caught our eye and directed us to the program. And we, as Amanda said, we hadn't gone through the program, didn't know about it other than the Bill Clinton photograph. And the more we learned, the more we read, the more intrigued we got. But here was a space in, in America today where people of different politics, young people, were getting together and actually trying to talk to each other. And we were curious, what would they do next? If they voted to secede, would they engage in the Civil War? Would they reconcile? And um, I guess we thought of this as a kind of crystal ball into America's future. And, uh, but in this case, uh, with teenage boys in Texas um, yeah. being a crystal ball. I'll say my comment about Texas politics and its relationship to the rest of the United States for a later part of our conversation, because I do want to get into that a little bit. But uh, Amanda, uh, having, as Jesse just articulated, this uh, secession vote in this t uh, previous t convention that they had, was there any trepidation on the part of the organizers of Boys State for you to come in to what I'm sure probably resulted in some fair measure of negative publicity associated with it? They did get negative coverage for that kind of scandalous vote, both in Texas and then nationally. We read about this in the Washington Post. So I was concerned that they wouldn't take our phone call, frankly, or they'd just say no, just because they had kind of been burned, I think they felt, by, by other media organizations. But 
to their credit, they took my phone call and we started a conversation that lasted over a couple months. I mean, it was a deep conversation. It started out deep, actually, in sort of me explaining what our interests were and, and them also then understanding the kind of filmmaking we do, which is immersive. We really wanted to get in there, go deep, watch everything, take it all in and see it for its full breadth and glory. And, and because they really, the leadership there in Texas, deeply love and believe in their program, I think they were willing uh, and, and actually really intrigued by having a portrait of their program that was that fully fleshed out. I think their feeling was previous um, visits from, from news organizations to come in and cherry pick what they wanted and left. Right. Um, so, but it's still a leap of faith, you know, they, the, we had, uh, you know, final edit. And so it was in our control, the kind of portrait we made and they, they were willing to go on that journey with us and that collaboration. And I think that's to their credit, frankly. Yeah. And one of the things about Boy State, it just grabs you by the collar. I mean, you're, I felt I was immersed in this world very quickly. Some of it, I, I think, has to do with the energy in the room of the of these young men who are who are having an opportunity in many ways to prove themselves on a lot of different levels, right? Prove themselves among their peers, prove themselves to be worthy of this of this uh, uh, selection by American Legion because it looks like a fairly rigorous program to get to where they are, and also to prove that they've got the chops intellectually and in, in, in sort of the ways that you would becoming a, a, a mature adult. So there's a lot of things swirling around these, these, uh, these young men. Tell me a little bit about how you selected these different people that are in the film, because there are so many compelling people. Robert, Ben, uh, Stephen, Renee, those are the ones I think you mostly focus on. Remarkable people, really. And one of the other things before I get to, I'm sorry, but one of the things about it is to watch them develop and evolve over the course of the film. It's just, it's, it's crazy <laughs> how, how well you do it and how, how you're able to capture so much of it. Um, Amanda, I'll go back to you. Uh, what was that uh, sort of casting like for you and, and, and for Jesse? Sure. Well, I mean, one of the pieces of information that came to me through the, these conversations with the leadership was that in years past, just sort of, they talk about the program and how transformational it is to so many of the people who go through it. And Jesse and I both thought, well, uh, they're just saying that. I mean, how much can happen in one week? I mean, that's what you hope for in a film and that's what you look for. You do want transformation, beginning, middle, and end. But how much could be achieved in one week. And so I think to our great wonder and surprise, and I think we did see that happen for all four of the people um, that we followed. How we got to those people was a pretty <laughs> insane. And that, I mean, Jesse likes to say it would have been its own movie. I mean, we really crisscrossed Texas and met so many, 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 many people, all kind of interesting and, and idiosyncratic in their own ways. But we were really, we had a short list of needs, right? We needed to have diversity. We needed somebody from the right and somebody from the left. We needed their backgrounds to be different. We needed them to be smart enough about politics that we knew they could do well in the program. So those are the things we knew we needed. And then we also, there's this sort of X factor, <laughs> special sauce kind of irrational stuff that's just who, who, who was interesting to Amanda and Jesse? Who did we want to keep interviewing? And who did we never get sort of 
these guys never stop being interesting to me. And I can't really explain that to you um, other than I do know they all have a little vulnerability that's there uh, and that made them open both to change in the program, but also um, made them available to us as a viewer, um, you know, as a film character. And so those, those are the things that we needed. We did not meet Renee during that casting period before the event. He's someone we were desperately searching for, but we didn't find when we were running around Texas. And then when he stands up in the film and gives his first speech, uh, so you, you meet him in the film the way we met him, which is just this really aha moment. I mean, it's a barn burning speech and, and we thought you need to be in our film, that's <laughs> you do, and please, 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 and he was game. Uh, fortunately, our film got a lot smarter. Yeah. Well, Jesse, let's, let's, because there are, um, for the, the other three main, what I call main characters in the film, we see a, we see a bit of a backstory about them, about Robert. Uh, not, not as much about Steven, if I'm trying to remember exactly, but there is some backstory to those character or characters, the people in the film. Um, and maybe before we get to that part of it, it's like, I think it's important for people to understand that this is a mock convention. And so there are political parties. So there are designated political parties that these, they split into these two different parties. To walk us through that a little bit about this sort of the structure of the convention itself so that, uh, and it, it feels real. <laughs> feels like a real convention, but go ahead, please. What's appealing about it is it's big. So it's a complicated simulation. There are a lot of variables and they've, they've constructed a political universe that, as you say, is divided into two parties, but they're not Democrats and Republicans. They're called Federalists and Nationalists. And when the convention starts, the parties don't stand for anything. The boys have to write their own platforms. And that process is really quite interesting and actually a part of the drama that you see in our movie. Um, the boys are randomly assigned to these two parties. And then it's the job of the party chairs to kind of corral this process and then to get their candidates elected. So there's an electoral, pro there's a party process, an electoral process, and then there's a legislative branch to Boys State, which is a, a house and a Senate. They meet at the Texas State Capitol, which is a beautiful building. And they actually, they write and debate and pass legislation. So there's no, there's no executive governing but it's so it's and it's, it's primarily focused on electoral politics and that was our primary focus we do visit the legislature and check in on them and it's interesting to see sort of how they evolve from like debating whether or not pineapple belongs on pizza to actually debating um universal background checks you know very serious stuff so that was a real that was a kind of maturation overall that you see in the electoral side as well the sort of boys come in, boys will be boys, but they kind of grow up a little bit and it becomes a much more serious conversation. That's absolutely true. And what's so fascinating as well about people like Ben and Renee who become the party chairs in, in the film, what I found fascinating is in a room full of young men who probably 95% consider themselves alpha dogs, right? In this very hyped up world that they're, and it's a, it is a hyper reality, right? They, I'm sure going into it, they want to all prove themselves in some way or another. But to see these two guys evolve, Ben and then, and then also with Renee, very different. And as you said, Amanda, very vulnerable. I think in the case of Ben, vulnerable for, some physical 
uh, challenges that he faces and ways that in which he's overcome them. And you see that his, his heart come out in sort of explaining his story. And then with Renee, a very reserved person who he, you can see where he just, he has a breaking point. You, you cross the line and you see how he kind of reacts in ways. So it's a fascinating look at these two young men and how they take control of the party, right? I mean, am I being fair? I mean, they pretty much run the show. They really run the show. Don't they? Oh, and both of them with, with, I mean, they're both brilliant. Not only are they high EQ, they're actually very high, high EQ'd as well. IQ yes. and EQ. And yes. so I think that their read on, you know, the gallery and their read on their sort of um, seconds and they just, they could read a room very well. So, I mean, what's not in the film, unfortunately, there's a, it's a whole lot of drama that goes on uh, in the Federalist Party so we did see Ben do some incredible work keeping control of his party. It's not, it wasn't all easy street right. uh, for him either. I think controlling a room of 600, 17 year olds, particularly the more tired and strung out they got as the week went on. And it's also a hundred degrees and it's also, you know. Long days, long days, right? That they put and there's, you know, um, yeah. that's no joke. And so I think both of them are um, kind of extraordinary for having, kept power as much as they did. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about Renee though, is that his pa, he comes in, he's African-American, he's from Chicago. He's a recent transplant to Texas. He's very liberal. I mean, he gives an, a, a, a speech when, when he captures the chairmanship of his party and it's clear an adult has stepped into the room. I and mean, just his level of sophistication, his, his oratory skills, grasp of parliamentary procedure, all of it is like, <laughs> he just crushes the competition. And, and yet he does have challenges because the electorate on the whole is much more conservative than he is. And that, and that was a, actually an early inkling that this group was less predictable than we thought and who they would support and what their politics might be. On, on the surface, you think it's that kind of militant, macho conservatism, but it's actually more nuanced. Ben almost loses control of the party. Almost. There's, there's sort of a, a moment where it feels like there's going to be a landslide towards the other side. And then, and then on, on Renee's side, there's an impeachment movement, which is an, a subtext in this film of some other, you mentioned he's African-American. I don't want to let this go uh, before, we, before we have to part company. First, I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss. Uh, we're talking about a documentary film called Boys State. It's going to be out on Apple TV Plus this Friday, uh, August 14th. So please be looking for this. In addition to the fact that they're interested in politics, they're of a certain um, mindset to begin with. I, I keep coming back to this event, which I think is seminal for this particular generation, which is Parkland. And the fact that in the course of this, uh, this convention, gun control in a state like Texas becomes such a big part of this conversation. In fact, a very favorable disposition for the most part towards some level, some degree of gun control, which I found fascinating that I'm not sure would have happened even four or five years ago if you were to hold this convention. I'm not sure if it would, maybe it would have, but I, I don't don't know, but it feels like Parkland has had a generational impact on these young men. Is either one of you, that's sort of a jump ball question, either one of you have a, an opinion about that? Because the reason I bring it up, one, one, other, one other factor, is that those kids in Parkland organized into a national movement in a matter of a few weeks. And I, I, it feels like that had some impact. No, I think no doubt. I mean, I yeah. think that, that all 17-year-olds feel an existential threat uh, at school. And 
Uh, they feel the threat of climate change in, in ways that we, growing up in the shadow of nuclear war, never felt so immediately. And I think that's politicized them. And they've shown the power of their political voice, their moral leadership uh, in the abdication of adult political leadership on these issues sometimes. And I think Stephen, you know, his boldness, his confidence, you could argue, comes directly from his involvement in that movement. He organized the March for Our Lives rallies in Houston. And I think it, it helped to, for him to find his voice and himself through that process. And he brings that to Boise State. And you see him debating Robert, his um, competition for the nomination for the Nationalist Party governor. And it, it does pivot on guns. And you see Stephen, his vulnerability, his empathy around this issue. He doesn't back down. Robert baits him. And I think it's a real kind of clear, I think you can trace that that moment back to Parkland, as you're saying, in a way, to say that that, that, was, that has catalyzed a generation. Uh, and, and I think Greta uh, Thunberg, too, uh, you know, young people leading political movements, that's our future. And it's partly due to the failure of adult leadership. Yeah. And we have, we're just about to run out of time. We haven't even talked about Stephen and Robert and some of the other people, which is just in some ways, that's, that is the core of the film. Stephen is an amazing, Robert and his, his evolution, his sort of self-realization about things, pretty remarkable stuff. I mean, it's emotional as well. That's another thing about the film watching it is you just are pulled into their lives and surprisingly caught up in the emotion of what they go through. I mean, in some ways it feels like, because normally testosterone, you know, uh, fueled men of that age are pretty obnoxious. <laughs> I trust me. I went. I remember pretty well just how obnoxious we were. But these and the, but they. This is this gives you some measure. Or how? Let me ask you. Does this give you measure of of hopefulness uh, for the future of the country for our political divisions? Do you feel that something may be shifting in terms of acknowledging those things? Yeah. I, the going there um, and being you know the only woman except for a, a few of our fabulous uh, cinematographers and I were the, the few women in a room full of 1,100, you know, 17-year-old boys. I definitely went to that space with some preconceived ideas about the pandemonium that I would see in the kind of machismo and the, you know, and I think to my great, I mean, I certainly saw some stuff that scared me. I certainly saw some stuff that confirmed, you know, those preconceptions, but I also found a deep degree of empathy and listening and as you said emotion i mean i literally did not think i would see all the crying that i did see and it's emotional that week much more than i imagined it would be and for me the great hope in fact does uh sit with stephen and this reminder that that kind of leadership really can inspire um the best in people and that's not a right or left thing i really think people are hungry for that kind of leadership and I saw that there, how he appealed to, you know, this predominantly white, predominantly conservative, very other crowd. He really brought out the better angels in all of them. And I think that was a really, it was a good reminder. I mean, I knew that, I, I know that hope. I, I, you know, it's there, but it has, I, I needed that reminder. So that was mine. How about you? Well, I think it's a reminder of what great political leadership does is it summons our, as Amanda said, our, our better angels, the better angels of our nature. And um, it doesn't play to our fears and our divisions, but to our commonalities, which are greater than our divisions. Fills me with hope that that, that is the next generation of political leadership and they're, they have it all. 
you know, at the same time, I, I think we don't sugarcoat some of the divisions, the dirty tricks, the things that aren't going anywhere. Um, but I think that ho uh, hope defeat uh, cynicism and, you know, Stephen, we is our remains our North Star. That's fantastic. What a great place to end our conversation. I, I could also just, this is, was a, had to have been a toweringly difficult shoot with the, all the logistics involved. And I know you had a lot of camera crew. I know you had a lot of people, a lot of moving parts. I, you cannot understate, I, I don't know enough about filmmaking to know how difficult that must have been for both of you. My congratulations on many different levels in terms of voice states. Congratulations on the win at Sundance. And it's opening this Friday, August 14th on Apple TV+. And uh, come back anytime you've got a new girl state or whatever it might be. I can't wait to see girl state. Uh, and uh, thank you so very much, Amanda McBain and Jesse Moss. Thank you so much for being here on Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Good to, you, good to Mike. speak again. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.